Say it louder for the caseworkers. <laughs> <laughs> Then the social workers in the back. You got to say it louder for them. What's up, y'all? You're listening to the System Impacted Podcast, powered by STEMOps. STEMOps, which stands for STEM Opportunities in Prison Settings, is an alliance of higher education partner organizations committed to ensuring that STEM preparation during and post-incarceration is commonplace and successful. More specifically, STEMOps' mission is to ensure that all persons impacted by the carceral system are able and encouraged to pursue a culturally responsive and equitable high-quality STEM education and career. STEMOps is funded by the National Science Foundation as a part of their Includes initiative, which aims to expand access to STEM fields and careers by underrepresented groups. You can learn more about STEMOps by visiting the website stem-ops.org. That's S-T-E-M hyphen O-P-S dot org. This is episode one of System Impacted, hosted by me, Terrell Blunt, and co-host Chris Etienne. For this episode, we interview Christy Webb and Maya Montero of the Maya Angelou Academy at New Beginnings, a school in the Maryland, D.C. area. The school serves students who, for the most part, have experienced multiple challenges in traditional school, and the curriculum is specifically designed to help students overcome challenges to learning, acquire credits toward graduation, and build the academic skills necessary for long-term success. We sat down with Maya and Christy to discuss the importance of trauma-informed and holistic teaching practices within the carceral setting. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, you guys. Um, Just glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So before we jump into the, the topic on trauma-informed practices, can you just tell us about the, the school and how it's uniquely positioned to reach incarcerated learners? is basically the first charter school that's located in a juvenile facility in Washington. It's in Lower Maryland, but it's under Washington, D.C. umbrella. We have the GED program and also the credentials, which you get your high school diploma. We run just like a quote-unquote regular high school. We're able to look at their credits and kind of guide them in a way where they set goals, where they're able to know what credits they need um, in order to graduate. And the one unique place, we do not have subs. So if us teachers out, we kind of cover each other. Um, in that area. So it's kind of all the teachers can at least teach math, science, social studies, and reading. We cover those classes. We have like wraparound services to go on to what Ms. Webb said in terms of like, not only do we have a guidance counselor, but we have a school psychologist, we have a social worker, myself, a college and career coordinator. We have advocates who are here with them while they're here, then also are with them in the community up to um, 90 days. So all of these wraparound services definitely help with that small homey kind of feel where they have more one-on-one support rather than in, in a large classroom. It actually is to our benefit that it's small and we don't have as much kids because then they each can be targeted for their needs. Was that intentional? Yes. Uh, the environment was a lot different than how it is now. You know, it, it looked like a jail. The classrooms were dark. You know, the textbooks were old. You know, there weren't a lot of services or programs that the scholars can enter. But when we moved over to the new facility and, you know, it's brighter, it's a lot of color, a lot of artwork, you know, quotes, of course, Maya quotes everywhere. Um, we just had one of our scholars, which he's a great artist, um, drew a portrait of um, Maya on the wall as soon as you walk into the classroom. So we wanted to provide a, a safe environment for the scholars and an enriched and a loving and a supportive environment. 
What do you think the the differences are between like the trauma informed teaching practices? Because on one side, I hear you have you know this system where you're not allowing substitutes, people who are unfamiliar with the students, to come in. It's no, if I'm not going to be here, then <laughs> this teacher who you're familiar with is jumping yeah. in. So, can you just speak a little bit to why that's important to maintain like distinctions between the trauma informed piece and then the holistic piece? I think that both of them come hand in hand. Right. It's like you definitely want to have a holistic approach, but also with trauma informed care, it's very specific. It's geared towards what the kid needs at that moment. And for us, we are not able to fully be in a space to educate them if we're not acknowledging what they've been through. Ignoring that completely is not going to get them to the level of achievement that we want or even for them to pass. I definitely think that the trauma informed part is really important, but also that holistic part, being able to let them know that there's all of this support, but then also being able to break it down where we have different people for different specific parts of their lives and not just focusing on education. I know that we do a lot of restorative circles. Some days um, the scholars can come in and you kind of feel the vibe is off. A scholar might have some bad news, heard some bad news the night before or something happened on the unit prior to entering the classroom. And you can kind of clearly see that that scholar is upset. You know, sometimes I think it's to recognize, you know, to ask, do we need to circle up? Are you okay? Do you need time to yourself? And they respect that and they'll take it in because it's like you care. You understand that they're going through um, so many different changes. So to see these scholars grow from the time they walk through those doors to the time they exit. Um, is amazing. One of the pieces that I heard in, in both of your responses segues into this next question around kind of responding to your students when they're going through things, right? So what are some good examples from your experiences on why it's important to ask questions such as what's going on or what happened as opposed to what's wrong with you? If the classroom is off and they're all like their emotions are off, she's like, wait, 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 Let, let's circle up. Let, let's have a conversation. And so welcoming that and saying, let's all sit here and be able to be vulnerable is a key part of that. And so that they know it's okay to talk about my emotions. And I can talk to somebody who can support me, but also is taking the time to understand what I'm going through. Like if we only gear towards the education piece, then we would always be reprimanding them for their emotions and their behavior, but we have to acknowledge that those emotions are valid. Identify what these emotions are. When you're frustrated, when things are going on in that moment, they have to know how to deal with that because once they leave this environment in this school and they go back into that community, it all restarts again. The cycle kind of continues. And I think as an educator, you need to acknowledge that in the classroom. I know that we do a lot of restorative circles. A scholar might have heard some bad news the night before or something happened on the unit prior to entering the classroom. And you can kind of clearly see that that scholar is upset. You know, sometimes I think it's to recognize, you know, to ask, do we need to circle up? Are you okay? Do you need time to yourself? And they respect that and they'll take it in because it's like you care. Um, how can instructors address these type of topics of trauma, of systemic racism, of school to the prison pipeline, while still being thoughtful, empathetic, and respectful towards their students? This year, we decided to do a little something different and get a lot of literature and books um, for them to read. And we just finished reading that book called Stamped. And we're about to read The New Jim Crow. So with those, when we 
read these books, we always have discussions with them and we talk about like, you know, laws and, you know, have them express how they feel about different situations. And in my classroom, it's okay, whatever you feel like you need to say, you know, say it, it's okay. Because I think they have a problem with expressing themselves. It's like they hold everything in or they just don't know how to express them, mm-hmm. themselves in different ways. And I think a key word that Ms. Webb used was awareness. A lot of our scholars lack that awareness. That's why I was, we were so happy about reading The New Jim Crow because it talks about how back when slavery happened, all of the restrictions of Black people, but how now the prison system looks so similar, right? Mm-hmm. And they're a part of that system. I think that's where the education piece then kind of hits into giving that history because for them to be a part of the system right now is important to teach them like when you leave you want if you leave with anything leave about knowing your rights leave knowing like who you are one as a black man but how the world is so much stacked against you there's so much things stacked against you then also educating them more on the problems that they may feel didn't just exist now but were happening for generations and generations before them and so I think definitely reading the literature and reading about it, they're like, oh, this reminds me of this. This happened in my time or in my neighborhood. This is exactly what happened. And we're reading like, yep, and look at how long ago that was. You know, it kind of creates a consciousness of now I kind of understand where where I'm living in in the the world that I'm operating in and how I'm viewed. And then just trying to figure out from there the approach that you're going to take and the changes that you're going to make and how you maneuver through this society. I wanted to kind of bring it back to teaching methods. Sometimes it's been said that training teachers to you know, look at everything that an individual was going through. Some people say that that's leaning toward turning teachers into casework. The teaching profession is not an easy task at all. And I always go by the saying, kids will not learn from teachers they don't like. You have to look at the um, scholar as a whole. You have to kind of create lessons that will be enriching, that, that will teach them something, not just in the four walls of a school building, but in life. You know, give them these skills that they're going to use, that they need when they leave here. I always tell them the education piece is the easy part. It's the other side that I'm worried about. You know, how we react, the social emotional piece that we have to deal with. You as education educator, you have to look at the scholar as a whole and not just for the book and reading part. But you have to kind of zone in to try to help them become a better person. On Fridays, we have a class called RISE. The R is respect and responsibility. I is integrity. S is for safety and self-determination. And E is for empathy. And so within that group, we go over different things that have to do with social and emotional learning. And so we have open forum and discussions about different topics. So a lot of times that can be hard. And kids will openly say, like, this is too much. Like, you know, can I step out? And then in those moments, we then will either get like the school social worker or the psychologist to kind of sit down and meet with them and to go over that. But usually I have to say a lot of our kids are really good with being open about it because all of the kids that are here are black young men. So that's the common denominator. So a lot of them go through a lot of the same things or from the same neighborhoods. But to be able to sit there and now not only have your teacher, but have your peers be able to listen and support and teach those skills is important. How do you remain empathetic while also trying to hit those educational goals? 
the key to that is to remind them of that goal. Remind them of if you're going to take anything while you're here, even if it's a credit, that's going to get you further when you go home. They gravitate more towards that when they know that you care and you support them. So always having those moments when you can sit and be like, listen, I know that you just got a horrible phone call, but I'm not going to allow you to fail. And so I'm going to give you this time. Let me know when you're ready. We'll come back to it. And sometimes putting yourself in there, letting them know that you are going to support them through this. So what do you do as educators to kind of like decompress or remain grounded so that you can show up as your authentic selves and and, and ready to take on and continue the the work? Self-care is important. And I know that these days I'm going to have to take a day. I need a mental day just to kind of regroup and acknowledge that you need that mental, you know, that mental day. You know, we're dealing with with a lot and sometimes it, it, it's hard, you know, and I think that's the, the, the downside or the negative side of this profession. You might become desensitized, but then it, are you really desensitized or it's just kind of locked away and it's going to come back and you just it's just stacking up and you're just going to explode. But I think as um, to acknowledge that the, that you do need a time where if you feel as though that you just can't. You know, you just need a break to take that break. Mm-hmm. And it's like acknowledging those feelings exist, just like we do to the kids, right? It's like you have to acknowledge that this child doesn't have a home. This child is homeless and has been in multiple foster care programs mm-hmm. since he was five. And so now he stole something to survive. It comes full circle where I'm like, this is a lot. But then I'm like, I'm doing it because who else is going to do it for them? And when they leave, who else is in their lives that is going to give them this much support? As much as it's hard, as much as it's a lot. And yes, all of these Black men going through all of this, and this is where they end up. For me, that motivates me. That pushes me. Mm -hmm. But definitely having a work-life balance to be able to say, hey, I'm here for this purpose, and this is my passion. But also, I need to take care of me so that I can be better equipped to come back in here the next day and do it all over again. Christy, Maya. Thank you so much for joining us on the System Impacted Podcast. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you for the work that you do. Continue to. Thank you for the work that you do. (laughs) (laughs) Say say a lot of people in the back. Thanks again to our guests, Christy and Maya, for stopping by to talk with us on trauma-informed teaching practices. The System Impacted Podcast is powered by STEMOps. Don't forget to visit stem-ops.org. That's S-T-E-M hyphen O-P-S dot org to learn more about the project and its partners and check out resources regarding STEM and the criminal legal system. Take care, y'all. Peace.